Good morning. Merry Christmas. My name is Gabriel. I'm an archangel in the service of the Almighty. Now, I know that your race, humanity, doesn't, hasn't quite yet fully discovered time travel yet, but your movies and Hollywood certainly has touched on it. So the participation we are going to ask of you today shouldn't stretch your imagination at all. Of course, as uh, humans, you guys won't be able to understand everything about what goes on in these recreated celestial meetings you are about to witness. However, the earthly events in discussion did most certainly occur over 2,000 years ago. And the angelic meetings attending these events, at least as far as you might be able to understand them, went something like this. Angels of the heavenly host, let the meeting come to order. We are meeting today for the purpose of briefing you on certain plans of the Almighty which will have far-reaching effects on the future of humans. However, before I say more, I wish to remind you that while the Almighty is very eager to have his plan succeed, he is not willing to have you act in any capacity except as messengers. And while you are- Gabriel, sir, I wish to enter complaint and to remind you that we used to be able to take things into our own hands and not act like a bunch of messenger boys. I can well understand, Michael. I know it isn't easy to stand by and watch humans make up their own minds. Well then, if he wants his plans to succeed, why can't we just wade in and do it right? You must not be so impatient, Michael. But it's agonizing to me to see humans make so many mistakes. Most of the time, they do just the wrong thing so they can mess up the plans of the Almighty. Mr. Chairman, I am with Michael and I call for a vote. Now wait just a minute. There will be no more discussion, let alone a vote. We are meeting to hear the Almighty's plan and His orders. I will now pass out your messenger assignments. Uriel will now read the Almighty's message to us. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. <clears throat> Angels of the heavenly host, I, the Almighty, have now come to the point of setting plans in motion which will make possible a new beginning for humans and result in their deliverance from evil. My plan is that my son will be born a baby boy to a young Jewish woman. He will grow up and become savior of the Jews and finally the whole world. Humans will be free to accept his wise counsel or reject it and to accept or reject him. If they freely accept him, all will be well. If they reject him, perhaps I will have to try again. My order to you then are these. Michael is to take a message to the temple priest in Jerusalem, Zechariah, and tell him he's to be the father of a baby boy who when he grows up will be the forerunner of Israel's savior. Mr. Chairman, if I may be free to refuse an assignment, I wish to decline and ask permission to state my reasons at the proper time. Well, since I am sure the Almighty would like only willing messengers in his service, I will release you, Michael, and I will notify Zachariah myself. Continue, Uriel, please. Certainly. Gabriel, 
is ordered to take a message to a young maiden by the name of Mary and tell her she's to give birth to a son who will be the long-expected Savior of Israel. And finally, Jophiel is to carry the news of the birth of this baby at the proper time to some of the most lowly peasants in the neighborhood so that the common people may first know of his arrival. These assignments are to be carried out without interfering in any way with human freedom. No devices and no tricks to control their actions. So be it. Are there any questions? I would like to ask a question. Proceed, Jophiel. Where will the baby be born, and to whom in particular am I to carry the message? Well, I assume that you are to be on the alert to discover the place of his birth and the time. Then you must choose for yourself the audience of your announcement. Thank you, sir. Well, if there are no further questions... Mr. Chairman, I would now like to state my reasons for refusing my assignment. Go right ahead, Michael. It is not that I am in any degree rebelling against the authority of the Almighty. It is simply that I object to the attitude of permissiveness toward these humans. He seems to hold their freedom so sacred that he's not willing to give them direct orders or to force them into obedience. I'm sure the Almighty has good reason for this approach, Michael. Maybe he does, Gabriel. But remember how quickly we used to get things done? Remember when we told Abraham what to do? We scared the living daylights out of his boy Isaac when we thought he had to be a human sacrifice. Oh, and then what a stroke of genius when the Almighty whomped up a goat to take the boy's place on the altar. Oh, those were the good old days. We could push people around a little and make them do things. And besides, if the Almighty wants this salvation business to succeed, he better not be so all-fired gentle about it. I think you've made your point, Michael. But I still think that the Almighty knows his business better than you or me or any of us. After all, he's had a lot more experience. I'm certain he knows what he wants to accomplish. Meeting adjourned. Four weeks later, as we angels measure time, the angelic council met again. Jesus had been born and we had all done his order. We were all very eager to give our reports. Oh, and you might be wondering why Uriel, Jophiel, and Raphael don't have their wings. It seems that they can't receive their wings until a bell rings and West Bowles Community Church meets their budget. <laughs> angels, angels, let our meeting come to order. We are meeting, oh, excuse me, um, <laughs> it, <laughs> oh, time for the reports. Oh, yes, of course. It is time for your reports concerning your visits with regard to the Messiah's birth. Michael, will you please take the chair while I make two reports? Let us now hear Gabriel's report concerning the visit to Zechariah. He did this, as you know, because I had declined. <laughs> Mr. Chairman, I went almost immediately after our last meeting to the temple in Jerusalem. Finding Zechariah performing his priestly duties there, I gave him my message while he was offering a prayer. Afterward, I realized that it was a stupid idea and that I should have waited. But I was so anxious to give him the good news that I just didn't think about what I was doing. 
You see, he and his wife are quite old. I thought it would give them reason for rejoicing, but instead, hearing that his wife would have a son came to him as a terrible shock. In fact, he obviously couldn't believe his ears. When he told me that he didn't believe me, I, I struck him dumb to prove my point. Fortunately, I did promise that his speech would return when their son was born. Thank you for your report, Gabriel. Frankly, I regret that I turned over the assignment to you. You went beyond authority in striking Zechariah dumb. I shall certainly report this to the Almighty when he lectures me about refusing my assignment. I think that's hardly fair, Michael. You must admit, you acted as foolishly as, as, as a human. And you were as stubborn as a human. That may be so, but this is a business meeting. Let's continue with the quorum. Now, let us hear your, your story visiting the young woman, Mary. Well, I have a written report on this mission, which contains a copy of a beautiful hymn of praise and thanksgiving, which expresses the feelings of Mary when she found that she was to be the mother of the chosen one of God. For now, I will just say that it was a source of great joy to be able to deliver this message to such a sweet and humble girl. Unlike Zechariah, she believed me. Her final words were simply, Behold, I am the handmaiden of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Therefore, Mr. Chairman, I was not even tempted to perform any action beyond delivery of the message. I did better in this mission. Indeed, Gabriel. The Almighty will be pleased. Now I gladly surrender the chair back to you. <laughs> Thank you, Michael. Now there is one more report. Jophiel was assigned to make the announcement of the baby's birth to some common folk as she chose. Please proceed, Jophiel, if you will. Mr. Chairman, my assignment turned out to be a real adventure. I did a bit of investigating, and I guessed the time of the baby's birth pretty close. I decided I would deliver the message to some fishermen on the Sea of Galilee. But then, when the time of the birth came, I sure had to speed around the country to find out exactly where it was taking place. I should have consulted prophecies, but I was so sure that Mary and Joseph would remain in Nazareth that it never occurred to me to expect anything else. Well, there I was, just arriving in Bethlehem, when the birth was already taking place in a stable. How that ever came to pass, I didn't find out at the time. I was really on the spot, and I had to flash around the countryside looking for some likely peasants. Of course, as my luck would have it, it was nighttime, and everybody seemed to be in bed. Well, tell us, what did you do? The truth is, I was really on the spot. But then I saw the flickering of a campfire outside the village on a hillside, and there were exactly the people that I needed, a group of shepherds watching their sheep nearby. How did you deliver the message? Well, you know me. I sometimes rush in where archangels fear to tread. So, of course, I flew in with a rush and a blaze of light, and I scared them all silly before I even opened my mouth. As quickly as possible, I tried to reassure them, and I told them that I had good news of great joy to all the people. And then I announced the birth right then and there. I wasn't sure that they believed me, so I called in our best choir to add a little inspirational music to my message. You all would have been so proud how beautifully their voices filled the heavens. So it turned out well in the end. Very ingenious, Jophiel. Did you stay around long enough to see what happened? Yes, sir, and it all worked out just fine. Those bashful shepherds were so reassured that they went to Bethlehem to see the child for themselves. They also reported to Mary and Joseph 
all that they had heard, which was, of course, as good as a direct message from us. So they went back to their sheep in a bit of a daze, I assure you, but I don't think they will ever forget the occasion. Excellent work, Jophiel. These reports will be turned over to the Almighty, and I'm sure you will hear from him. Is there anything else before we adjourn? Yes. Uh, Gabriel, I just got an urgent text. <laughs> Seems that Herod has ordered soldiers into Bethlehem to go and kill the baby. You need to do something right away. Now, now wait just a minute. This matter may not be all that urgent. Even Roman soldiers require some time to get going. Do you know, has the Almighty been informed of this crisis? Well, it doesn't seem so. It looks like the messenger thought that, well, we could handle it, perhaps, without involving the Almighty in this crisis. Perhaps we can handle this without special orders from the Almighty. Does it say what happened before Herod gave this order to his soldiers? Well, I'm not sure. <laughs> Maybe, Michael, you'd like to ask me something. <laughs> that we ought to stop talking right now and act. My suggestion is that we go directly to the palace and kill Herod. <laughs> now, just a minute, Michael. If I may say so, you often talk before you think. You criticized me for striking Zachariah dumb, but now you are suggesting that we kill a king. That may be so, Gabriel, but if Herod has any idea of laying his filthy hands on that baby, or any baby for that matter, I'm in favor of eliminating him entirely. And now, I yes. agree, sir, and call for a vote. Yes. I think order, 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 Angel, please. Raphael, must you always be calling for a vote? I am the chairman here. We are going to discuss this crisis with some degree of sanity. We must obey the Almighty's directive that we are to be only messengers and not to take matters into our own hands. Now, let us hear the rest of the story from Uriel. And please, no more interrupting. Uriel, does the message say what happened before Herod gave this order to his soldiers? What happened was is that some men who make a study of the stars and believe that they affect human destiny were following a star to the place of a newborn king. They lost contact with the star, and so they went to Herod's palace. But... Apparently, not finding a newborn king there, they were directed to go to seek the Messiah at Bethlehem, as it was prophesied. They agreed to report back to Herod what they found there, but when they didn't, that's when Herod gave the order to the soldiers to go into Bethlehem. It says here that their orders were to kill all male children to and under just to be sure to get the newborn king. This Herod is a most evil king. We must find a way to stop him. I would like to suggest, Mr. Chairman, that somebody be sent to Herod and tell him that this baby's no threat to his throne. Perhaps then he'll call off the soldiers. That's silly. He won't listen to that. 
I suggest that we call for an epidemic of measles or smallpox. Let's scare the soldiers right out of town. Oh, Michael, you know Herod will just get more soldiers from Caesarea. Well, then let's get Herod himself. Leprosy, maybe, or, or we can start a revolution in Jericho. Come on, let's do something. Mr. Chairman, I call for a vote. Yeah. Yes, I think we should vote. You are on all this. acting like humans, always trying to use force and always threatening to destroy free will decisions. Let's remember the wishes of the Almighty and be what we are messengers. No more, no less. From my experience in Bethlehem, I've developed a lot of faith in following the Almighty's orders. I think that we should simply let these astrologers know what has happened. I feel sure that they will act wisely and all will be well. If we take things into our own hands, humans will never be able to decide anything on their own. They will always be nothing more than puppets on a string. Absolutely right. I will take the responsibility of ordering you to do the job. You have proven yourself resourceful, and I'm sure the Almighty would approve. Is this generally agreed? Agreed. I still say we should clobber, Herod. But since I'm outvoted, I will agree. <laughs> This meeting is then adjourned, but we will meet again just as soon as Jophiel does her job. Jophiel did the job requested of her, and as she gave her report, she had some surprises. The news she brought was both good and bad. Well, the good news is that Joseph and Mary have taken Jesus out of the country, far from harm's reach. The bad news is that Herod still sent soldiers into Bethlehem. They killed several babies, hoping to get rid of any possible newborn king. Miss Herod. What do you think, Raphael? Is there something we should have done? I think we should have sent somebody to Herod to tell him this baby would have been no threat to his throne. Maybe we could have saved those babies. Yeah. You know, we shouldn't feel too badly about it, though. I mean, Herod, we've seen Herod be a heartless, obstinate, paranoid man. He even killed his own sons, remember, to avoid competition. I'm sure nothing short of assassination would have stopped him, and the Almighty never would have permitted that. Surely Uriel is right, and this sort of thing is the price of human freedom that is so dear to the heart of the Almighty. How did you deliver the message, if I may ask? Well, I did it in the quietest possible way. You know that these humans believe in dreams. So I simply let slip the word to one of the astrologers and Joseph in their dreams. The wise men, as they are called, gave Herod the slip and made a detour around his palace on their way home. Joseph, with the aid of the gifts from the wise men, took off with his little family for Egypt. So, the messages did do the trick, and Jesus is safe for a while. Thank you, Jophiel, for a good job. Anything else before we adjourn? Yes, Mr. Chairman. I still think we could have saved some innocent lives by taking direct action. Michael, I respect your right to your opinion. However, we must not allow our own ideas to interfere with doing our jobs. The Almighty will not allow anything to interfere with human freedom. He has given men the right to choose between good and evil, knowing that they will often choose evil and that innocent people will get hurt. It is to win people to the good and not to force them into doing good that the Almighty has sent His Son into the world. So let us be messengers and trust in the Almighty. I call for a vote. 
<laughs> all right, Raphael, all right. All in favor of adjourning, say aye. 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 Opposed? No. No. Uh, meeting adjourned. Good morning. And Merry Christmas. The text says to beware of men in robes. So I'm very self-conscious of preaching in a robe this morning. Um, we've been talking this Christmas about the promise of Christmas. The promise that we looked at was sort of through the lens of the angel Gabriel, remember? The promise of Christmas that Gabriel expressed when Mary asked, how? And the promise that Gabriel gave the young virgin was, for nothing is impossible with God. Mary, don't worry, there's nothing impossible with God. Not even a virgin birth, not even someone born into the world both fully God and fully human, not even that. And not even a savior come to save the world from sin because there's nothing that's impossible with God. This last Sunday of 2011, we thought um, we'd take another look, a little different look at the promise of Christmas, add to it a bit or highlight a slightly different promise of Christmas. And that's the promise that God makes to each and every person that's ever been born, each and every soul that ever comes into this world to live and be alive. And it's the promise that God makes that every single person will be given the opportunity to choose God. Each and every person, each and every one of us, have the opportunity to accept or reject that baby in the manger. You know, Gabriel in the, in the skit this morning was correct. Human freedom to make that choice, human freedom to choose God is something that God holds very near and dear to his heart. And it's something that comes at a great price. Just ask those families in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago. And while we don't have near the time this morning to unpack the perplexing problem of pain and suffering and chaos and evil still in the world, one foundational reason at least for it, for all of it, is indeed God's will that each and every person be able to choose him. And if each and every person is able to choose him, then they must be free to reject him as well. And, and whether the world believes what I'm about to say is true or not, it is true that pain and suffering and chaos is a result of people rejecting God. First in a garden called Eden a long time ago, and then countless times since. It's important to our Father 
that we have that everyone has this right to choose. And you know, when you think about it, it's really a remarkable thing that the almighty God of the universe who made it all from nothing and put it in motion, it's really a remarkable thing that a God that powerful, that strong, that unimaginably big gives us the freedom to choose. He doesn't force the choice. He didn't make us in a way that our thoughts are automatically his thoughts. He doesn't overwhelm our will with his, though he certainly could. He gives the people he made, each and every person, he gives them that respect and dignity to choose. He gives us the real choice to choose him, the personal integrity to decide. It's remarkable when you think of it, even impossible. But nothing's impossible with God. So the question I'd like to leave us with this year is this. What will we do with the choice we've been given? What will we do with that hard-won choice, that expensive choice? Each of you here today, you need to decide, and you will decide one way or the other, what to do with the choice that you've been given. Will you choose God? Will you choose Jesus as the way and the truth and the life, as your way and your truth and your life? And given who God is, who he is in sending his only son in the world to die for the sins of the world, the choice before us is really whether or not to choose love. The apostle John catches it when he tells us repeatedly, that's what God is. God is love. Will you choose God? Will you choose love in Jesus' name? In Jesus' name, because his love expressed in coming and dying is the ultimate love ever expressed. And so what will we do with the choice that we've been given? Will you choose to love God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might, so help you God? Will you choose to love others as yourselves, so help you God? Will you choose that daily and moment by moment? Boy, it's tempting, isn't it, to want to clobber Herod. It's tempting. But instead, God asks us to love him and love others. And will you respond to the love that poured living water into a manger that sheep drink from in the form of a baby boy? Will you respond to the love that died for sin? Will you respond to the love that says, you know what, no matter what happens in life through thick and thin, I will be with you always. It's your choice. And it's our choice, each one of us. The promise of Christmas is that you have the choice, and what will you choose? If you're ready to choose God this morning, whether again or for the first time, I'd like to give you an opportunity this morning to make that choice. If you're ready to do it, what I'd like to do with this, would you please bow your heads with me 
and join me in prayer. And with our heads bowed before God as we draw near and even into the throne room of God in prayer, I'd like to first invite any here today who have never made the decision to choose Jesus I'd like to give you the opportunity to do so right now. If you want to choose today for the first time to follow Jesus, if you accept God's gift of love and want to make and want to make so help you God Jesus, the Lord and Savior of your, your life, if you'd like, with God's help and God's community's help, to strive to the best of your ability to live your life loving God with everything you are and all you have, if you'd like to, to love others as yourself, so help you God and he will. If you've never made that choice for the first time and would like to this morning, would you please simply just slip up your hand, hold it high enough and long enough for me to see. I see a hand here, I see, my goodness, I see hands all over the room. Praise God. Is there anyone else, anyone else who you've never chosen Jesus? Thank you, I see a young man in the back. Thank you very much. You've never chosen. And yes, choosing isn't the all of it. It's more than a choice. It's more than mental assent. You're called to a life of community in love for him and others, and there's more to do to be sure, but it also involves a choice. I didn't know, I didn't know, I didn't know the day after Christmas. Well, people who haven't chosen yet God bothered to come, but maybe he had you come today. Maybe you're here today because he knew that I was gonna ask if you wanted to make the choice for God. Is there anyone else, anyone else who has never chosen Jesus and would like to for the first time choose him this morning? Maybe you've already chosen Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life and you want to take this opportunity to say yes to Jesus once again, to rededicate, to recommit your life to God, to loving him with all your heart, all your soul, and all your might, and to love others as yourselves. If you would like to recommit your life to God, would you please slip your hand up in the air? Who would like to recommit their lives to God this morning? Raise your hand up high, and yes, your Father in heaven sees your hands in the air. Bless God. Praise God. Father in heaven, no one but you knows truly what's stirring in the hearts of your people, each and every person here that you made this morning. And Father, whether or not they've raised their hands, Father, whether or not, Father, please, I implore you, keep your promise to continue to pursue them, not just for an initial choice or mental assent, but please, Father, continue to pursue them, continue to show them that there's really no life worth living other than the life of partnering with you through thick and thin to love and to show the world what love truly is better than any would-be cult or religion, better than any good person for goodness sake. Father, give us those willing hearts to partner with you to reach the world in love in Jesus' name. And Father, 
if we were quiet enough, if you'd answer the prayer that you answered Elijah and Elisha both to give us eyes to hear, eyes to see and ears to hear what's going on now in the spiritual realm, surely we'd hear the angels singing and clapping and praising God for those first-time people, perhaps in particular, that made the choice to follow your son today, this morning. We praise your name for them and ask, Father, that through us or through any means supernatural and natural that you would come alongside them, encourage them in this walk that they've decided they'd like to take, equip us here at West Bowles, equip me, equip leadership, equip all of those involved in all of our ministries, Father, to be your hands and feet to them, to come around them, to be there for them, to be your hands and feet and heart with them. And Father, you saw again all around the room those who are already children in your kingdom who had made that choice perhaps a long time ago, perhaps a short time ago, but they'd made the choice already. But this morning, Father, they raised their hand again and say, you know what? With the new year turning around, Father, with your help, I want to step out even more in loving God with all my heart, all my soul, and all my might, and to love others, to love people, Father, even as you love them. Oh, Father, would you help them do that? Would you help me do that? Would you help us all to truly be love in Jesus' name? Father, we love you. And we add our voice to the voices in heaven. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, Father. Merry Christmas, Jesus. Happy birthday. Thank you for coming. Thank you for continuing to be with us. Thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit who even resides in and among us. Thank you for never letting us down. Thank you for even when times are tough and even as we deal with the pain and suffering and chaos, Help us, Father, encourage us through it, knowing that one reason at least it's here is so that no one may perish, no, not one, that everyone be given the opportunity to find you in love and to fall in love with you all over again. Help us, Father, in the new year to be your instrument, your tool toward that end. We love you, and in Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people said, amen. amen. Would you stand, please, for the benediction? This one from John 3, 16 and 17, something I asked many of you to memorize a few months ago, but we've got it on the screen. So let's hear God's good words, his blessings in the voices of family and community this morning, shall we? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. In Jesus' name, amen. Merry Christmas. We'll see you in 2011. God bless you all.